Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You're listening to or you're tuned into and going to be listening to Paradigm Shifters. A lot of you are very familiar with our Paradigm Shifters this week. Steve Behrman, who also is known as Swami Beyond Ananda, and he's been pushing the envelope of human consciousness with humor for a long, long time. And I'm so excited to have you on the show, Steve. Thanks a lot, Veronica, for having me. I'm happy to be on on this Paradigm Shifters because uh, this old paradigm committed <laughs> a thousand crimes. So we're, we're good that we're working on a new paradigm. Yeah. We have to have two dimes, don't you think? Yeah, paradigms. <laughs> so, um, so honestly, I'm I'm very excited about talking to you, and I've been listening to a bunch of your stuff, a lot of your. Uh, you know, you talks with the Commonwealth Organization, what it's called, I can't remember. But I really want us to talk about the evolution of our species and what can you do to promote it with a greater speed. <laughs> you talked about, we're children of God, no, what is it? To become Yeah, we're chi- moving from children of God to adults of good. That's, That's part it. of the, uh, what we're calling the, the evolutionary upwising, which has kind of boiled it boiled itself down to four steps, uh, which incidentally works three times faster than 12 step. Uh, (laughs) And the four steps of the great upwising is wake up, wise up, grow up, show up. And it sounds very glib, but I think really what we're talking about is in this time of awakening uh, where the veils are being lifted, it's waking up to the illusion of separation. And we look at our political uh, new word, situation if we look at the situation (laughs) Situation. we see that we've been polarized into these two groups so that until now we've not been able to focus on the common uh, purpose goals intentions of you know most human beings who are not sociopaths on the planet and until now we haven't really been able to cooperate because we've allowed ourselves to be uh, um, polarized into tribes in opposition rather than listening to one another. So Separated by fear, what, really, huh? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Fear and anger. And uh, imagine what it would be like if we actually used our differences constructively so that we have different points of view that are all uh, helping to shine light on, on the larger situation so that we act with wisdom. If we want to look at um, the COVID crisis of the past two years, it's an object lesson in, in how to not do something unless your intention is um, simply top-down control rather than managing the, the situation in a way that's going to be beneficial to human beings. Mm-hmm. Nature operates on the basis of diversity. Uh, a thriving ecosystem is a diverse ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So anytime you narrow your options down to just one option, what you're doing is you're operating counter to the way nature would do it. And so rather than uh, two years ago when this pandemic first hit, rather than going, how can we use all of our resources uh, in the most creative and non-coercive way to handle this situation and protect those who need to be protected and have the rest of us get on with our lives instead of that, there was a uh, one-size-fits-all program. There was no second opinion. Uh, any second or third opinions were censored. 
And so what happens is rather than having people work in concert, there is a in there's an uh, already a, an established conflict that keeps us from uh, addressing the situation in the most constructive way. Hmm. I agree with you. You know, it's really interesting to me, and I've thought this all along, is that the COVID lockdown has actually been really, really helpful for a lot of people to tune into who they really are in spite of the crap that's going on out there. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that. And this is particularly true. Uh, when it first started, I was going along, definitely went along with this program, uh, because clearly anything that would limit our human impact on the uh, on the world, at least temporarily, would be a positive thing. And in fact, there were all kinds of reports of, oh, we're seeing nature, we're seeing birds, uh, nature is reemerging. Mm-hmm. And I think it also um, uh, helped us see how, uh, in many ways, we were using our resources in a wasteful way. Um, through Zoom and through Skype, for example, people can now meet from all across the world. And I think that that's something that's been really established. So now I can connect with my friends, with my cohorts, with my Zoom mates everywhere Mm -hmm. and meet with people without the expense and difficulty and, uh, and footprint of travel. So in that regard, in that regard, uh, there was something very helpful about it. At the same time, um, what the lockdown accomplished uh, over this uh, uh, year and a half or two year period is that it essentially put a lot of middle class people out of business. Uh, instead of uh, it, it destroyed uh, restaurant business, it destroyed a lot of people to people businesses. And what got stronger were the uh, were the big, big, big enterprises like Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a, that's a serious downside because it certainly seems to me that, um, if you don't want me jumping into this, that please, no, I, I, this is really interesting. From from all the study, all the study that I've done, Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty clear that the entire lockdown policy is an agenda of the world economic forum. Okay. uh, Which is, you know, Klaus Schwab, who is pretty much the uh, progenitor, what's the word, progenitor of this, um, he was a, uh, a student and disciple of Henry Kissinger. We all know where Henry Kissinger was coming from. Right. Um, and so what the uh, World Economic Forum is, is a way to create uniformity around the world in um, making uh in making what these people consider evolutionary changes um, that would institute top-down control of how we use our resources and so on. Um, And this top-down control is not necessarily for the benefit of our human species, Mm -hmm. but is for the benefit of those who are already in financial power. And unfortunately, because this has been now associated with the protecting people in the pandemic, many of our progressive um, brothers and sisters have gone along with this program without questioning where it's really going, which is, uh, in my view, an Orwellian top-down totalitarian state Mm -hmm. where every aspect of our living is managed and controlled from the top down. 
I don't ever buy from Amazon if I can help it. <laughs> My little two bits. Well, I, I have to, to say that, that we do. We do uh, for, for for a couple of reasons. But nonetheless, we we support our our uh, our local stores, etc., as much as we possibly can. Well, I mentioned this but, to you before, but as an intuitive, I have felt. Uh, like there's a big tourniquet going on underneath on the subconscious of humanity. I think you've explained what that really could be. It could be the the world order, right? And I, well, I have felt it in my body. I felt it in my mind. And I'm going, what do we do about this, Steve? Do you have ideas about that? Well, tell tell me more about what you've been feeling. Just tell me more. Uh, I just feel a constriction. I feel like, uh, oh, we have all kinds of free will. No, we don't. There's something that's holding us all together in some kind of, un- it, to me, it feels like a subconscious or a pull. Even talking about it, I feel like my gut and my lower regions are being pulled. And I'm pretty empathic as an intuitive, and I really feel the strength of it all over the world, that we are writhing in it. It's really hard for us to get free of it. And I think it keeps people uh, directed in a certain way. You know, I don't have a lot of huge detail about it. I just feel it all over the place, you know. I really, I appreciate your perspective on that. And I think what you're picking up on, again, these are evolutionary times. They're also apocalyptic times. And you bet. the term apocalypse means the lifting of the veils. And so in order for us to evolve at this time, we have to be willing to face many of the truths that have been swept under the carpet because they've been too uncomfortable to look at. And uh, in my comedic way, I call this Nazism, that is choosing to not see what is too uncomfortable to look at. Okay. But in order to make this next transition, in order to really bring about um, our spiritual evolution, uh, again, I, I started talking about the great uprising. Wake up. Step one is wake up to the illusion of separation mm-hmm. and how we've allowed ourselves to be separated, how we've allowed ourselves to be on the battlefield with one another rather than on a cooperative playing field. But in in your upwising, just let me ask you this before we go to the second step, which is that in the upwising, it seems to imply something that I really like, which is people all have the ability to kind of spiral up out of these, uh, you know, this tourniquet thing I was talking about or the way things have been. We have the ability individually to spiral up in order to connect. Am I right about that? Exactly. And and if it doesn't happen individually, it can't happen collectively. We can't expect uh, all of these external authorities to uh, to make a change that we as individuals are not willing to make or not willing to change. So in this first, uh, um, the upwising is fractal. It's mm-hmm. happening at the individual level. It's happening at the community level. It's happening at the uh, societal and worldwide species level. So the first step is to become aware of the illusion of separation, that we're really all one. Mm -hmm. And we wise up to the power of love and coherence, uh, that that really is the force that holds the universe together. And in our current paradigm, you were talking about shifting the paradigm, the paradigm is scientific materialism, which essentially does not acknowledge anything other than the material world. Very good. So yeah. it doesn't mm-hmm. acknowledge 
our individual souls, and it doesn't acknowledge the one spirit that we're all part of. And because of that myopia, we have uh, this follow the science mantra, which really is a new religion <laughs> that's based on scientific materialism. To me, when I hear follow the science, it's the same as hearing, how do I know the Bible tells me so? Uh, <laughs> that it's another, it's another religious belief and dogma. Um, and the I always ask the same question. I say, who's paying for that one, the science one? Well, I think that that's an important distinction, who pays for the science, and that's why I would certainly recommend those people who haven't read it yet to go buy and read Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci. This is a book that the powers that be in power don't want you to read. They, they would prefer that you believe that he's... Uh, I like that they use all of these terms like conspiracy theorist. And, you know, when I hear conspiracy theorist, my reframe for um, conspiracy theory is pattern recognition. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. my that's what I call it. So so if you read his book, you re you get to understand how the current system manages science, how the sausage gets made and how the science gets cooked so that when we when we read something in in our trusted media that should not be trusted like the new york times or msnbc or cnn or npr that material has been very carefully vetted to make sure that it matches the uh narrative that they're trying to ram down our throats and that's why the so, news is the same no matter which news station you turn on really hey yeah, and it's very managed. Uh, I mean, you'll get different news from Fox News, but they have their own little silo that they're that they're um, that they're looking at. Mm -hmm. So, let me finish with with the upwise thing because Please, I yeah. think it's mm -hmm. it points us in a direction of how we can of what we can do. So the first step is wake up. Allow yourself to wake up to see how you've been manipulated into separation, into polarization, into uh, demonizing and uh, dehumanizing those we perceive to be on the other side. Number two is wise up to the power of love. Every spiritual teacher and every secular ethical system in human history has been about some aspect of the golden rule, some aspect of reciprocity, some aspect of we're all in this together. That is the truth. Uh, in you know we have the uh, as as the Swami would say, uh, truth lives in the heart, beliefs lie in your head. Ah. So these beliefs have been lying for a long time. You bet. And that's beliefs on all sides. So once you wake up and you wise up, then what do you do? You grow up. You grow upward from children of God to adults of good. You begin to take responsibility as a sovereign soul. S O U L proprietor nobody in nobody uh other nobody like you has ever been on the planet before you are totally unique as the swami would say just like everybody else and as this unique individual you become responsible for creating the world that you would like to see out there beginning with yourself mm -hmm. so it's that it goes back to that famous gandhi saying be the change you wish to see uh, to see in the world. 
It's not that we're saying, uh, it's not that we're ignoring what's going out there, on there in the world. We're simply taking individual responsibility. If we want a world of love, mm-hmm. then we have to hold ourselves to that standard. And the crazy making that's going on is when I look at all of this woke anti-hate speech, it seems awfully hateful to me. <laughs> so it does, doesn't the people, it? The, yeah. haters, mm-hmm. the haters of hate are very hateful. And then finally, the fourth step show up on a new playing field, ready to play a new game. Off the battlefield of ego, off the battlefield of me versus you, onto the playing field of what do we want to create together. Mm-hmm. And we want to bring all good intentions under one big intent, thrival for each and all. I want to say one more thing here, and that is um, in really honoring um, the those people who founded uh, the United States of America, keeping in mind that they were certainly limited uh, by their culture, uh, by the, you know, by, by the society at that time, when they adapted so many pieces of our governance from the Iroquois nation, like balance of powers, like uh, confederacy, the one thing that they couldn't take was the council of grandmothers. Because in the Iroquois Confederacy, it was the elder women who made the decisions whether the tribe went to war. They were able to impeach an incompetent or unscrupulous chief and install somebody else. But you can't imagine the founders of this country saying, hey, let's invite uh, Betsy and Martha (laughs) and Mary and and Dolly and let's have them have a council and tell us what to do. However, because we didn't bring that feminine wisdom that was in touch with the nature of nature and the nature of human nature into our governance, we have spun ourselves out of the web of life at this point. Mm -hmm. And the way to spin ourselves back in is to begin to acknowledge that indigenous part uh, and to uh, step away from the mind being the uh, the human mind being the be all and end all and have a little bit of humility about what came before and about the domains that we uh, the fields that we're not able to yet access or understand, but exist nonetheless. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, one of the things that's really plagued me for a long time is what is love really? Because it's tossed around all the time. But if you really sit with that, and we talk about uh, everything in the universe is kind of flowing around its orbits, but it's all connected with love, right? And you talk about the Iroquois grandmothers and stuff, and I feel the heart. They had to have the heart to understand, uh, I guess, the strength and power of people. You see what I'm doing? I spend a lot of time thinking about that. A lot of people think love is attachment, and it is not. You know, so because that can lead to dominance, right? Well, I think that you know, again, love is a very misunderstood word. However, exactly. uh, mm-hmm. I want to I want to recommend a book. This is a book that, over the last twenty something years, has made the biggest difference in my life in terms of uh, spiritual perspective. It's a book called "Love Without End: Jesus Speaks." By Glenda Green. I've certainly read end. that. I love that book. You've read that book? Oh, boy. That yeah. book, <clears throat> good. I'm glad to hear that. That's a book that um, has really helped me uh, coming from a uh, from an agnostic background, 
that had a wariness about religion to really understand the difference between spirituality and religion. Some wise person once said that um, spirituality is our connection with the one love, with the divine, and religion is crowd control. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Hey? How, however, the original meaning of the word religion, it comes from the Latin religare, which means to bind. So the word ligament comes from the same root. And the original functional meaning of, li of religion is something that binds us to the web of life and the web of love. And uh, as, as Jesus famously boiled it down, uh, boiled the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments down to one suggestion. And that suggestion is love God, that is love creation, love the creator of creation, love love, and, uh, and love thy neighbor as thyself. So our three commandments are basically love God, that is, love the all that is and that encompasses us. Love ourselves as the individual unique souls that we are. And then love other people as their, as the unique souls that they are. Separating the who they are from the what they do. You know, in other words, when there's an aspect of beingness. And that's what that love is about. Mm -hmm. In Love Without End, I just, I just read this, reread this. Uh, I think in, I'm going to have his, to reread it too. It was a wonderful yeah, book. Uh, the basic story is that Glenda Green is a portrait artist, and Jesus comes and sits for a portrait, mm -hmm. and they have a two month or three month conversation. Right. That and may it sound changes hokey. her hugely. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and it it may sound hokey, but I have to say that the material in that book is the cleanest stuff I've ever read. Mm -hmm. um, I had the pleasure of being the uh, one of the performers at her book launch in 1999 in Dallas, and um, <clears throat> I, I found this material so pure and so clean. And so in the book, I see that uh, Jesus rewrote the, the Lord's Prayer, beginning with, love is my shepherd, love is my shepherd. Right, so right. when mm -hmm. he talks about love, that is that universal uh, vibration that connects us all. Uh, Plato, um, his definition of love is that which brings forth truth, beauty, and goodness. So we may not... Um, so that's we, a, who is that? Plato. 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 Pla okay. Plato. Uh, and then that was reiterated by, um, by Rudolf Steiner, by the way. He, he, he refreshed that, uh, you know, a hundred and something years ago. But this whole idea of truth, beauty, and goodness, those are the reflections of love. So when you, when you feel in your heart, and again, we've, we've been moved away from our intuition through this very mental, scientific, materialist worldview, uh, which is why so many people have gone ahead and followed the medical protocol without actually checking in with them, with themselves inside mm -hmm. to see what their own body and their own t intuition uh, has to say about it. So if we, if we look at uh, <clears throat> developing this aspect of our, <clears throat> of our individual souls, as we tune to our own way of plugging into this universal love, 
that is it's infinite it there's there's no end to the supply and if we allow ourselves to have that love move through us and we become a broadcaster of love mm-hmm. then we are bringing what one would call heaven on earth into reality through our behavior we we may not have that much control over certain things that happen to us mm-hmm. but we certainly have some control over how we respond to those and how we serve as an example to other people to uh, have a more expansive view rather than being pulled back into um, fear, anger, and all of these other below-the-line emotions that need to come up and be acknowledged. And if we don't do that, then we are simply being controlled and manipulated by them. Well, and also when you said uh, uh, being an example, I think it's a radiance. Love is a radiance, and people feel it as you walk through. What a great word. Thank you. That is such a good word to use to describe what we're talking about. It's a radiance. And it's really important, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. so So that's what love is, and that's why it's so important. And um when we're pulled into fear, um, and by the way, the whole the whole purpose of, of the mainstream media is to manipulate you and to keep you from acknowledging both your own soul and that one spirit that includes everything that is really all about love. Mm-hmm. So what we would call evil is really the absence of love. The absence of love, yeah. And that actual activity of a lot of what you're talking about in the media is divisive by nature. It's divisive because mm-hmm. divisive sells. If you feel that there's a, a and, and first of all, if you make, if you turn people into enemies, they're much easier to uh, control. Divide and conquer is a very uh, uh, tried and untrue method of, uh, of controlling people. And that's, mm-hmm. That's what we that's what we would be we're seeing right now. So part of the upwising is recognizing the uh, the illusion of separation and then the true unity in our hearts. That's what we call going sane. And once we do that, <laughs> we we look at um, inter. There's uh, uh, the other concept that that emerged in this whole thing, uh, in contrast to homeland security. Is heartland security. Heartland security, yeah. Mm-hmm. Our true security is in the land of the heart. That's where it begins. If and, and you know, earlier you were talking about the spiraling awareness that seems to be happening. And in integral thought, if people are familiar with that, or spiral dynamics, there's a sense that as we evolve and become more complex, we are better able to uh, encompass all of these belief systems and so on and integrate them uh, and so on. But one of the, I think, pitfalls of that is that there's this sense that um, you have to be very evolved uh, to do that. And I would say that every human being has the ability to tune into their hearts. Oh, no, I, this is really important. Of, hmm? and, and so it doesn't matter if you're an indigenous person, if you're a truck driver, if you're a brilliant genius with a 200 IQ, if you're somebody with Down syndrome, 
all of these individuals have that connection at the heart should they choose to use it. So you don't have to go through all of these different um, color schemes that, the, as the integral people would say, anyone in any situation who is a human being has the ability to go into their heart and to recognize goodness and broadcast that goodness in their world. I like that broadcast. But also, you know this as well, Steve, is that animals often have that as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's why, you know, why do people love animal photos? Why why are we so uh, consumed with um, these wonderful videos of uh, animals of different species uh, having friendships? It's because, ironically, we've lost our humanity, and these animals are pointing our humanity back to us. <laughs> but I also think what's really interesting is the collective is, like you said, upwising, waking up. Animals are, too. They're much more able to communicate, it seems, than they used to be. At least that's my experience. And, uh, I'm, you know, communicate how they feel and so on. What do you think of that? Is that part of the... Uh, upwising of frequencies all over the planet and to do with the universe? What do you think about that? Well, you know, over the past gen couple of generations, we've seen people in very uh, concerted experiments with, uh, with apes, with dogs, uh, with dolphins, with elephants, um, in, cult in trying to create conversations. Um, I saw a video a while back, a woman who actually um, came up with a number of different uh, phrases that the dog, that her dog understands. I know, I've and, seen them too. And much. a button that the dog can push for each of these things. And so wow. she has taught her dog to speak English. Um, and the one that I really love is the dog hits, I want to go out. And she says, but no, now is not a good time. And dog hits, I want to go out. The dog keeps hitting, I want to go out, no matter what explanation she has. <laughs> but so I think that we are reaching to uh, to make these connections with, with the animal kingdom because we understand that, that there is a soul and a loving heart. Uh, my wife, Trudy, uh, feeds the birds and the squirrels here in... She has very specific uh, friendships and communications with the ravens, mm. uh, particularly with the ravens, with the blue jays. And, uh, you know, ravens can learn language. They have, they, they're actually people who've, you know, ravens can, can make sounds that sound like our human sounds. So mm -hmm. um, we're beginning to do this, and I think it's really... Um, a secret way of acknowledging the intelligence of life uh, itself that we've gotten away from that the indigenous people um, have understood that was that we have gotten out of touch with so out of touch that um, we are in the process of um, if the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates have their way there will be no more real food it will be only artificial food uh, it'll no. be there'll be no real soil and it'll be all manufactured stuff you know and and again it's kind of like you we've all seen fantasia you know and the little sorcerer's apprentice piece sure. in there with mm -hmm. mickey mouse and the i love that piece, yeah. 
mm-hmm. because that's that's what scientific materialism is. That's what the current um, follow the science is. It's the sorcerer's apprentice that doesn't know what it doesn't know mm-hmm. and doesn't know that what it doesn't know is what needs to be known right now. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter who's paying for the marketing. It's not the answer right there. I, I want to say something else, too. This is a jump around a little bit, which is that with the vaccines, for example, I'm fascinated by the fact that people who are so, I mean, I am vaccinated, but uh, so opposed to vaccine and it's so vociferous and people are so irate and so on and so forth. But if you look at our food, how much of our food has been poisoned by chemicals? and have distorted the hormonal balance in humanity. I'm going, we're kind of separating aspects. We're not taking seriously that this is being done on many levels. Does that make sense to you? Because it sure does oh, to me. Oh, ab- absolutely makes sense. And again, sometimes something has to rise above the radar for people to recognize that it's part of a pattern. Uh, I, I don't think very many people understand that one of the reasons why our medical system is so ineffective is that it doesn't really take into consideration all of the poisons being pumped in by the rest of the by the rest of our economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be too dangerous to point that out because it would interfere with uh, with commerce as we know it. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've been poisoned. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's on an increasing level. Yes. Mm-hmm. However. I think that the vaccination, the most important thing about the vaccination issue is the mandate part of it. Uh, If you'll notice, all of those truckers, uh, the the people who uh, have been leading this this demonstration in Canada, I would say the vast, vast majority of those people acknowledge that they've been vaccinated. However, 90% of them, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And however, what they're objecting to, and this is true of Rand Paul mm-hmm. and even Donald Trump, what they're objecting to is the forced vaccination. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the progressive side has missed this completely indicates uh, how out of touch they are with the soul and spirit nature of what it means to be human and our sovereignty in determining what goes into our system. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't really, I mean, again, I'm not going to breathe the air because there might be pollution and that, that would be counterproductive. But definitely, um, um, in our family, we've done whatever we can to buy organically as much as we can. We're not we crazy about it. Yeah. Where We go to restaurants where maybe it's organic, maybe it's not. Um you know, we cut. You know, we can't be a hundred percent. But our intention is to do whatever we can to enhance our personal health. That can be done. Mm-hmm. Understanding that, um, you know, back when our parents were kids, there was no such thing as organic. It was just food. Well, it wasn't. Those, it wasn't as poisoned, though. It wasn't as chemicalized. Sure, it wasn't. Up until uh, the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, mm-hmm. when we began to introduce um, food additives, and then uh, the complexity of the petrochemical industry mm-hmm. being introduced to food and drugs. So, you know, right now, uh, there there are people who insist that the reason why there's so much more um, uh, illness and autism is because of vaccinations. Mm-hmm. There's those who insist. It's because of GMOs, genetically modified food. 
There's those who insist it's because of all of the poisons in the food and the antibiotics. I don't think you can decide one thing. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. I think it probably has to do with with a confluence of things. Mm -hmm. But I think the significance of the... um, of the uh, vaccine awareness movement is uh, whether the government, to what extent the government has the authority to create second class or third class or fourth class citizens based on whether they make a medical decision, particularly when other uh, uh, avenues have been intentionally shut down. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing medical totalitarianism is really what the issue is. It's not whether I want to take the shot or not. Yeah, but wait a sec, Steve. One of the things that bought me into it was when I got vaccinated was wanting to stop the spread. And so that was me being progressive and naive, but I did it, you know. Well, that's the manipulation. When they first sold this bill of bads, and you can watch watch the (laughs) video of of Fauci lying about that. Uh, promising that the vaccine is going to provide herd immunity. But as my own physician told me a year ago, that was not possible for two reasons. Number one, they actually changed the definition of vaccine in Webster's now uh, to mean, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, they changed the, vac- the, the definition of vaccine um, to something that provides protection rather than immunity. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what? So this particular, they promised that that once the vac, they once the vax is out and everybody's vaccinated, then uh, or a critical mass of people are vaccinated, then we'll have herd immunity and uh, we can take off the masks and blah blah blah. But the truth is that never was this vaccine ever 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 able to provide uh, immunity and prevent transmission. So my friend here who just got COVID, he got a mild case, he's getting over it. He is the, uh, he should be getting a gold medal because he is actually creating herd immunity. When when you have actual immunity to it, Mm -hmm. then you can't transmit it to somebody else. Uh, The latest studies show that this herd immunity lasts at least 18 months. Hmm. So for the next 18 months, he will not be able to transmit this to anybody else. Hmm. So herd immunity comes about when the reason why um, why the va- why the virus fades away is because fewer and fewer and fewer people can transmit it. What we're seeing with the uh, Omicron variant, we saw it with the um, with the variant prior to that, is that these variants uh, are particularly virulent in people who've had the shot. Mm-hmm. So now the way that this mass hypnosis works is that uh, people uh, will go, oh, well, and rather than saying, you know, this is an issue of vaccine failure, the vaccine failed to protect, well, I'm going to get another, I'm going to get a, a booster, even though there's no indication there's no in fact there's no proof whatsoever it does not prevent transmission mm-hmm. it could pre- it could prevent a more serious case and possibly compress the amount of time where you're contagious i think that's a positive thing that the vaccines do but when you look at the idea that 99% of people recover from covid 
and that the people who have the serious, most serious cases uh, have comorbidities, that most of the three quarters of the people who have died from COVID have had comorbidities and or have been uh, obese. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you going to tell fat people you are, we need to stop fat people from eating because they are causing the, the deaths due to COVID mm-hmm. rather than focusing on the unvaccinated. It's a it's a camp it's a it's a very specific divide and conquer campaign to marginalize those people not willing to go along with the government program of total medical totalitarianism. Well, that is really interesting. It's very humble opinion. Thank you for that. (laughs) But the thing that I find also interesting is that it's making me so aware of the number of poisons that we've had to put up with in this society, thinking there was no other option, like pharmaceuticals, like, you know, all kinds of vaccines, a lot of, you know, chemicals that have been used. I'm going, huh, what do we do with this information? When we finally catch on what you call it, uh, medical totalitarian, I didn't think about those terms, but I do feel like it's been worse than we realize, and it is distorting the essential humanity, maybe even making some people way fatter. You know, you're really on target with this. This is really, really important. What you're saying is that, you know, there's, it's not a monolithic thing. It's part of the trend over the, over the past 50 to 100 years of really um maybe even putting, more it might be 200 years actually yeah I'm not sure but, you know and again we've really just felt it uh, in our in in the post-war generation those of us you know the baby boomers and so on um is that we've been toxified in so many different ways we can also look at the toxification of our communication system we can look at the toxification of uh teaching ideologies that create separation and polarization. Mm-hmm. All of these things are part of the same uh, piece that's coming up. And this is something that we haven't talked about yet, but I think it's worth talking about. Please, part yeah. of the upwising is all of this coming to the surface. And what's coming to the that's surface... That's the big advantage of the lockdown, actually. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that people who have been too busy to really think about it have had to reflect on on all of these things, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and part of this uh, this toxification, um, there's also been a spiritual toxification. Um, you know, it, there's one of the one of the uh, uh, the downsides of our progressive way of seeing things and moral relativism has been failure to acknowledge evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we have failed to acknowledge evil, we have let it take hold. Uh, if we want to go back to uh, every perpetration from the Kennedy assassination to the King assassination to the Kennedy assassination, second one, to 9-11, to all of these things that have taken place, that that the um, we have not mustered the moral fortitude and spiritual fortitude to stop that evil like we stopped the evil of Hitler during World War II. We haven't had a collective defining moment where we have to stop what we're doing and face this evil. 
Um, you've That's a really the, good point, actually. Keep going. Sorry. You've heard the term Wetiko? Have you heard the term No, Wetiko? I have not. No. Okay. There was a book written uh, by uh, a Native American um, researcher and philosopher back in the 70s. I'm not remembering his name. The book was called Columbus and Other Cannibals. Oh, God. <laughs> and... Uh, in the Native American culture, they've identified an archetype that they call Wetiko. And Wetiko is a cannibalism. Wetiko is the force that will devour anything in its path. Hmm. Um, there's another book called Unholy Hungers, which is about the um, written by a Jungian uh, psychologist about the vampire archetype that appears in every culture. Hmm. Every culture has some kind of aspect of uh, of vampire. And what she says in this book is that each of us have this vampire sociopathogen Wetiko as a mild infection. Wow. And when we come and when we are subject to fear, when we're subject to tribulation, when we're subject to propaganda, when we're subject to ma manipulation, um, when we're when we're put into a sociopathic society or institution, it activates that in us, and we feed that vampire, we feed that evil, we feed that Wetiko, mm -hmm. and when we pull ourselves off the battlefield, and I think we talked about this a little earlier, we go to the space of non-resistance, but instead of resistance, building what we want to build in a positive way, then we the Wetiko loses its power because it feeds on our fear. It feeds on our, our greed. Hmm. It feeds on our anger. Hmm. Every one of those seven deadly sins that was identified, hmm. that I, I like uh, Carolyn Mace's uh, reframing them as the seven dark passions. Anytime one of these dark passions is activated in us, we are feeding that quote-unquote field out there in the world of evil. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure does. Wow. It's a good way to put it, too. So part of what's coming up now is all of this evil that we have not dealt with, that has been unacknowledged. You know what I want to say about that evil that you're talking about? I go, you know, way back in the Kennedy assassinations and also in 9-11 and all those things. So often it's like, oh, yeah, that's the way it is. That's the way political world goes. Oh, yeah, that's the way power goes. Not... We have to get to the root of it, which is what you're saying. Sorry to interrupt you, but I wanted to make that comment. Exactly. I, I think that part of um, uh, I, I'm doing a podcast with Michael McSenty uh, called Front and Center, uh, writing our new story together from political battlefields to cooperative playing fields. And in, in our interviews, one of the things that we've identified uh, is the role that trauma has played. You know, we all have trauma reverberating oh, back boy. generations and generations and generations so that uh, our, our subconscious belief system is, yes, that's how it is. It'll never change. So if you were to do kinesiology muscle testing with, um, you know, political activists for social justice and climate and all of that, if you were to test them, I believe that we can heal the ecosystem Doink, they would test weak on that really? because our subconscious beliefs are all about it's not really possible. When we bring that to consciousness, then we can actually make the choice 
that we make it possible through our, our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. And that's how we are this radiant field of love. Yeah, I believe that we can heal a lot of things. In fact, and this is a small sidebar, I was talking to somebody who was, uh, he said he was really ashamed of me because I'd been vaccinated. And I looked at him and I said, I can reverse that. And he looked at me and he said, I bet you can, can't you? You know, I believe we can do that. You know, it's so interesting, um, you know, how judgment works. You know, our, our plan, whenever somebody comes to us and they go, I'm not vaccinated and I'll never be vaccinated, we go, that's great. When somebody comes to us and says, I've just had my third booster, I go, that's great. That's terrific. Mm-hmm. We want to we actually affirm that people have the ability to make their own choices as to what's going to be beneficial for them. But essentially, they're saying it for the greater, they're thinking it's for the greater good. So what I mean so is that's a manipulation. Not, that's really? a manipulation. Of, really? Uh, not really. That's not really true. It's not for the greater good because it doesn't provide herd immunity. In fact, it actually, there's now a lot of research that shows that the vaccinations actually hamper our natural immunity. Yeah, and weaken you. But I don't think that that's true for uh, people's intent. When people are naive and they intend something or another, you know? Well, I, I agree that their their intention was manipulated and hijacked. Yeah, their exactly. Good, but if good they intention. were being a good yes. person, yeah. Oh, sure. But then what what then what they do is then they curse the people who made the other choice because they don't recognize a that they're wrong, mm-hmm. that that's not the whole story, and that b um, there's a bigger picture. Well, and you know, ultimately, you're asking us to take a look at the whole. Well, we'll talk about it further because I really like what you're doing, which is take a look at the whole thing and don't be stuck in this point of view or that point of view or this, right? Yeah, I think it's really, really important to look at the meta view. You know, most problems have multiple causes. Mm -hmm. So if you're stuck on this one thing is causing that thing, then very likely that's, that's, uh, you know, that's a, a distorted view. Uh, even if you, um, for example, even looking at, at the um, at the virus, mm-hmm. okay, have, getting the shot for many people, for certain people, is going to actually be beneficial for them because, first of all, it's going to mitigate their worries. Mm-hmm. They'll be, able, and that in itself is going to actually help them be healthier. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. the placebo effect. Okay, it's also. Um, uh, quite possibly going to give them a milder case, et cetera, et cetera. But when, but if that's the only thing that you're doing and you're forgetting that uh, whether you get sick or not also depends, and how sick you get also depends on your level of well-being, mm-hmm. on your biological terrain, uh, you know, clearly there's many, many different ways of enhancing immunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- the biggest problem with how this was addressed was that there was a diagnosis and a treatment and no second opinions were allowed. That and there was no right conversation there. about building your immune system. I kept no going, hey, we need to do that, which we're it, doing. We're doing quite a bit of that, actually. Well, more people are doing that, but that's been repressed. And I know a number of people who've been in the mainstream system who had COVID and who had a very hard time of it because they did not 
These are vaccinated people mm -hmm. who did not because they did not have access to early treatment, nor did they believe anything about early treatment. They they simply dismissed that as fake news and conspiracy theory mm -hmm. because of how they were brainwashed and mind and mind fogged, as we call it. Well, I'm worried that we're going to get to the end of this without getting you to tell us, okay, Steve Behrman, what do we do to transform? What do we do to boost, if you will, uh, to transform our ability to take over these deceptions that are going on? We have to start wherever we are. And the first thing that we can do is change ourselves from the inside out and become the broadcasters of love. One of the recent, uh, you know, and again, on our front and center podcast. I agree podcast, with that. Mm -hmm. We've talked about a lot of political toxicity and so on. However, probably the most heartening interview uh, was with a woman named Elaine Park, P-A-R-K-E, mm -hmm. and she has a book called 12 Habits of Unity. Okay. And this book uh, is so powerful because it helps people develop these habits, one habit per month for a year, that help us in the world be more compassionate. Oh, wow, okay. Be more understanding of people, be more grateful, be happier. And instead of being pulled into this toxic polarization, allow ourselves to be beacons of light so that we could light other people up so that they're less susceptible to manipulation. Good. And the more positive and happy we are in our own lives, the more that becomes a possibility out there in the world. I love that. Tell us again about your podcast. How do we get hold of them? Frontandcenter.us. Front and Center. Is that the one you just talked about? Yeah. Frontandcenter.us. You can also find us on YouTube. Um, Let's see. Front. Let me let me see where we are on YouTube. Is it YouTube. front and center also on YouTube? Front and center, and then put um, Mike uh, Steve Behrman and put that. And if you Google that, you'll find me. Okay, I've done that actually. <laughs> I found you. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but and I really love put... to hear about these podcasts. Keep going. Well, that's well. I think you want to send people to the to the podcast. Um, We've interviewed uh, people as diverse as Tom Hartman, uh, Joan oh, like Blades from Move On, um, Shauna Blue Star Newcomb, uh, who is a brilliant young uh, indigenous activist, uh, all kinds of uh, Charles Eisenstein, who wrote The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know Is Possible. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> and uh, we're looking to really help people get off the battlefield onto the playing field. And these, uh, we have a boil down of our conversations, what our first seven guests have taught us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're looking to create a sane and sacred community for people who want to uh, overgrow this, uh, this toxicity. And as Charles Eisenstein would say, create the more beautiful and just world our hearts know is possible. We do know it's possible, don't we? Yes. Thank you. We need to keep reinforcing that, and you're doing that work yourself. Thank you so much for being here, Steve. I'm really, uh, I, you know, I'm saying goodbye to you right now, and I'm going to head into your podcast and so on, but we could have asked you a lot more questions and talked about more perspectives and helped refresh our own perspectives with your help, so I hope you'll come on again. 
We will, and and uh, we'll do this again, and uh, we'll we'll do vice versa. I, I have a feeling that being part of this sane and sacred community is going to be a way for many of us to get to get our word out and find a community of people who are ready to wake beyond woke. Right on. And some of that is going to take some wrinkles out of our feelings, so that might be a challenge too. <laughs> <laughs> take care of yourself, Stephen. Thank you so much for Thank all you're doing. Thank you for having me. Okay, right. bye-bye. Bye now.